0: You're listening to a podcast from Meaning of Life TV. Hi, Preston. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Pretty good. What time is it where you are early in the morning? Uh, Yeah, it's 7 a.m. here. Where is it? 7 p.m. here. Ironically, you must be on the other side of the planet. Indeed, I am. or at least what we think is the planet. We're we're going to be discussing the question of whether we, in fact, live in a simulation. But before I get to that, let me introduce us. I'm Robert Wright. This is The Wright Show, available on both streaming video and via audio podcast. You're Preston Green. You teach philosophy at Nanyang, which you've told me is a satisfactory pronunciation, Nanyang Technological University in Singapore, which is on the other side of the planet. Yep, that's right. Um, and as I said, we're going to be discussing, uh, the question of whether the thing we think of as, you know, physical reality, um, is in fact a simulation, a question that's gotten a lot of attention over the last five years for reasons we may want to explore a little or speculate about. Um, and we're gonna look into the question of whether there's a way we might find out if we're living in a simulation. I personally am curious. However, you are here to warn us that we should not try to satisfy our curiosity. You you wrote a recent piece in the New York Times based on an academic paper you've written warning that it could be a fatal mistake to try to find out if we're in a simulation. Is that fair?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right.
0: That's your position. Now, before we get into why it, it uh, might be a fatal mistake and how we might even explore the question to begin with of whether we are in a a simulation let's talk about the whole idea of living in a simulation um I, i guess by now most people are aware that for example elon musk says we're almost certainly living in a simulation as i think he put it the chances that we're living in base level reality i think maybe is the phrase he used are like one in a billion or something um and a lot of other, uh, a lot of other people, including, uh, I think other Silicon Valley sages, whom we should always pay, I think, great attention to, um, have speculated about this. The, the, the um, the philosopher Nick Bostrom will talk about his actual argument to the effect that it is pretty likely we're living in a simulation. Um, but do you, I mean, first of all, do you, do you want to say any more about what Well, let me ask you first, why do you think there is all of this discussion of whether we're living in a simulation? Um, Is it just are there cultural forces that have conspired or is it just a reasonable thing to think about that we're finally getting around to thinking about or what?
1: Well, I I think it's always been a a strength of the simulation argument that, um, you know, it takes observations that we can make about the progress of society, the progress of technology and uses those to try and make this argument that we could be living in a computer simulation. So like one piece of it is just noticing the ways in which simulation technologies are today and noticing the ways that they have been improving very quickly um, uh, over the past years. Um, and then sort of just looking ahead into the future and um noticing that maybe there will be all of these simulations, and the simulations will be very, very um sophisticated, so much so that um the people inside might have experiences just like you or me. Um so that's the, the general framework of the argument, which which I, I gather we'll talk a little bit more uh, about mm-hmm. in a second. Um but given that backdrop, I think um you know there's a lot of interests uh uh, today, probably because people are really interested in technologies and the, the way that simulations in video games and um, in other areas have been developing. Um, and so to see this sort of connection between these new technologies that people are very interested in, they, they want to write about, they want to talk about them. Um, uh, and also the, this philosophical or sort of metaphysical hypothesis that sounds, you know, so stunning and, and so exciting um, that could be one reason for the, mm-hmm. for the amount of attention to it.
0: Now, what do you think most stuns people about it? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, people tend to be freaked out a little bit when they first think about the possibility that this is really just a simulation. Now, do you think the main source of the freak out is the idea that, well, then there is some intelligence that designed it or, or, or that you know we're and and that we're in it for a reason there's some there's some kind of point to this or do you think it's just the idea that oh i thought this was the real world the physical world and it's
1: just not real which yeah i get the i get the feeling like it 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 does depend i think that both of those are reactions that that uh i've experienced um when it comes to thinking that the world is not real I think that's that's definitely a common one I don't think that's true um, I think there you, are you some don't good think that's a you don't think that's a valid reaction um, I think on reflection that is not um, a valid position to have um, why,
0: don't you, why don't you talk a little about that about the reasons that doesn't really make sense to you
1: yeah so the, the philosopher that gave this argument recently was David Chalmers, or a couple decades ago, um, he had a, a paper called "The Matrix as Metaphysics," and he was trying to argue that you know even if we lived in the Matrix, uh, as you see in like the Matrix movies, uh, it's still the case that the world is real and like nothing in, in, in all all the things we used to believe, almost all the things we used to believe are, are still true. Um, and I thought it was a very good argument. It's it's an even easier argument to make in the case of the simulation hypothesis. So the basic idea is that if we were to learn that we live in a simulation, um, we would find out that we're wrong about some very recherche sort of metaphysical facts. So if in the past we thought that the basic unit of reality was like a quark or something like that, um, then when we learn we live in a simulation, then, okay, we realize that that is incorrect. Um, it turns out that the basic unit of reality is our, our bits, right? Um, bits. Not in the sense of like there's actual zeros and ones on the bottom of reality, right? But those are actually like representations of of this thing a bit, which is like a, it's just like an on or off thing, like a a pure Mm -hmm. differential, something like that. And the interesting thing is that physicists, some physicists have proposed that that is true in the past outside of the simulation hypothesis not thinking yeah, about you know any- i
0: should say this just occurred to me i've almost written, not quite forgotten i wrote a long and a, a piece for the atlantic well it was a part it was the first part of my book three scientists and their gods which was published in 1988 it was a cover story for the atlantic as excerpted it was about this guy ed fredkin have you heard of him uh, he was the, he was the, kind of the expositor or the proponent in those days of the idea of digital physics, the idea that we are in some sense in a, in a computer and the ultimate stuff is bits. Also, Stephen Wolfram uh, later published stuff to this effect and so on. So that's an aside.
1: But yeah, ahead. cool. So, so, okay, so you've got that one hypothesis. Maybe bits is the fundamental unit of reality. Um, uh, the other hypothesis that we would be wrong about, if we thought that the world was not created you know, by by beings outside of space and time, then we'd be wrong. Actually, it turns out that, you know, that it was. Um, but religious, r- religions have been thinking this for years, and no one thought that that made the world not real. So when you think about what changes, right, if we live in a simulation, we have a universe that was created, right, by beings outside of space and time. It has a fundamental unit to it called a bit. Mm-hmm. And it has laws and it has consciousness of course that you know we can tell that it has it has all the stuff that we thought the normal universe has so it it doesn't seem like anything any of our normal beliefs like there's a a a computer in front of me and i'm sitting on a chair it doesn't seem like any of those beliefs would be threatened by the simulation hypothesis
0: right and in fact it almost seems to me that science has been telling us increasingly that the world we perceive is not the ultimate stuff in a certain sense, right? I mean, I mean, first they said, okay, it feels solid. It's actually a bunch of little particles spinning around. And you're kind of like, hmm, that seems different, but are the particles at least solid? And they're like, yeah, the particles are solid. This is like a couple <laughs> hundred years ago, you know? And then, and then you come up to the, the, the current moment and, and, and they're like, well, actually the subatomic particles, it's not even clear they're particles. They may be, um, probability, to, you know, functions wave you know and and already there they're suggesting that maybe they are in some sense in information at a fundamental level and and then maybe they assume in some sense a more definite form when they're well when they're perceived or when they're measured there's all these interpretations of quantum physics but it seems to me it's already clear that we're in some sense living in a in a simulation it's kind kind of different sense in other words our perception of the world is a simulation of it it's not leaving aside the fact of whether there's a simulator out there that created it this is a different use of simulation i admit but it it's related right that that science is kind of telling us the ultimate ultimate stuff is very different from what you're perceiving right
1: right yeah that's another way to look at it it seems like what we want is Uh, just some explanation for, you know, how it is that we have these experiences and there are these things that we interact with, these objects in the world. And it doesn't really matter what the ultimate story of that is because we don't really know it at this point, right? What the, you know, what ultimately at the bottom creates those things. And if it turns out to be, you know, something like what's happening in the simulation hypothesis or, or something else, it won't actually threaten the realness, right? The fact that these things are actually here and, and, and happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, then let's talk a little about the, a little more about the argument that is uh, attributed to Nick Bostrom, philosopher somewhere, Cambridge or somewhere. Um, Oxford. Yeah. Oxford. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that it is actually likely that we're living in a, in a, in a simulation before we get to y- to the question of how we might find out and your warning that we shouldn't try to find out. Let's talk about the Bostrom argument. How would you summarize that?
1: Okay, so I like to think about uh, about the argument by first just noticing the technologies we have today and thinking about how they're probably going to advance in the future. So today we noticed that there's a lot of researchers out there using simulations. Um, A lot of them, you know, are for... uh, you know, know, picking apart causation from correlation, um, you know, trying to answer questions about like the future and the past. Um, so simulations are this very, very useful tool, uh, for doing that. But those simulations are not very good today. I mean, they're not very complicated compared to the thing they're trying to simulate. Right. Which is the, the world. Right. Um, but if we imagine, like, any sort of rate of progress, like, what whatsoever about uh, when it comes to these simulations, then we would think that one day the simulations are going to get so good that they're going to sort of start to mirror the complexity of the thing they're simulating. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the point where um, a, a simulation, say, of, um, you know, the history of civilization has inside of it these, like characters like you or me that are very complicated and that they have their own consciousness and their own experiences. um, If we're ever going to get to that point, um, then it seems like there's going to exist at some point in the future, many, many, many simulations of people, of simulated people that have experiences just like you, you and me have experiences um, and you know, they, they have no idea that they're, that they're simulated. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we think that that's going to happen in the future, then we should think that in the history, in the whole, whole history of, of, of humanity, there's going to be a very large number of simulated people for every one unsimulated person. Mm-hmm. And if most people are simulations, right. And there's really no way to tell from the inside, whether uh, you're a simulation or not. Um, then it seems like the the probability is high that we ourselves uh, are one of these simulations.
0: Okay, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, this seems to assume, the argument seems to assume that if conscious beings do a sufficiently complex simulation of themselves, the simulation will itself be conscious. It will have subjective experience. That is That is an assumption which... A lot of philosophers might buy, but we really don't know whether consciousness does or does not depend on the physical stuff that's doing the information processing. Anyway, he assumes it doesn't, that it's substrate independent. Bostrom does. And that's, that's an assumption. That's an important assumption, right?
1: Right, yeah. So if consciousness requires something like, um, you know, my meat brain about this size or something like that, then it's much less clear that this argument uh, is going to work.
0: Okay. So then uh, in terms of is this a, a, a slightly different way to put the argument that like, OK, you've got let's say you've got a whole universe. It's kind of like ours. You've got life evolving wherever. As soon as it, let's say it's evolving in various places, it, 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 it you know, an intelligent life. Uh, has some chance of evolving in all the places that it's evolving. Technological evolution gets started when intelligent life evolves. And once anywhere in the universe, uh, 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 uh beings develop the ability to simulate w- with great sophistication, right? Then themselves, basically. And we can get into why they, we need to get into why they would want to, but, but, but the assumption is they, they'd be motivated to create simulations of beings like themselves. Um, then once you've figured it out, first of all, the cost of replicating it is probably going to be pretty low. So it's kind of like a threshold thing. Once, once it's happening anywhere in the universe, pretty soon there's going to be a lot of simulations going on. Of beings that again we're assuming are conscious so 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 it's like either somewhere in the universe the thresholds has been crossed in which case pretty soon most of the conscious beings in the universe are simulations right because they proliferate so rapidly or you haven't crossed the threshold and i guess bostrom argues that there's a good chance we've crossed the threshold in which case there's a good chance that most conscious beings are simulations in which case uh, we probably are simulations. Is that a fair way to put it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you can think of it in a slightly more narrow way. So I think most people, if you just asked intuitively, right, do you think that humanity is going to survive and go on to great technological feats? I think a lot of people feel like, yeah, I think that, that probably will happen. Um, second question, if we had this ability to, to run these simulations, right, simulations of... The history of humanity in different variations. Would we be interested in doing so? Mm -hmm. And I think again, it's not unreasonable to say, yeah, I think people would probably be interested in doing that. Um, But if you believe both of those things, then it seems like you must believe that we ourselves are currently simulations, or that there's a high probability of that. A very high probability that we ourselves are simulations. So I think that's a very powerful way into the argument. It's it's Mm -hmm. just showing out. It's showing a dependency between our beliefs. Where, like, we have to believe that either, you know, some doomsday thing is true, you know, we will never get to that point, or ah, people would not be interested in, in running these sophisticated simulations. So this, um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, and that's that's kind of the spirit of Bostrom's argument. Like, you have to believe one of those things. So, ultimately, he, he, he says we should resist further speculation and just... Uh, Split the difference, and so maybe there's like one, you know, one chance in two that we're living in a computer simulation. Okay, the Sorry, one um, chance in three. So this is this is
0: it's somewhat related to Drake's equation, right? Is is that the thing that they use to figure out what the chances are that there's intelligent life on another uh, planet somewhere? Uh, this is not it's not the same thing, but it's not unrelated, right? Because Bostrom's argument assumes that in the well in some universe in the base level universe there there's enough life evolving that there's a chance a good better than better than 50 percent chance that intelligent life has evolved and has gotten to a certain point of technological sophistication right it's it's a related kind of speculation
1: yeah i mean it, so so you can actually zoom out so i was just focusing on like you know what we think about like our civilization it's definitely possible like you were mentioning that there be some other civilization that is doing this and creating, you know, trillions and trillions of simulated, like people. Um, and that we're part of that sort of simulation. And I think that's definitely an, another possibility that adds to the probability that we're currently in a simulation right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I assume, by the way, just to be clear, that the scenario he has in mind and you have in mind is all of us are in the simulation, right? It, it, it's, it's like right. one big simulation. It's not like you are and I'm not.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah, that's important. That I'm pretty sure this the, conversation wouldn't work the same way if that were the case. But anyway, that is
1: the scenario, right? Right, and it gets back to the "is the world real" question, right? Like, so the you know, if we live in a simulation, then yeah, it's me, you, we're all simulated, including all the objects around us, the the laws of nature. Those things are all part of the simulation. So, it, in a sense, it seems like you know what we have is uh, our own little universe here that has its own properties and 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 it was created by something outside of it, et cetera.
0: I mean, one reason I ask about the Drake's equation thing, again, that, that, that's, uh, I think that's what kind of astro like astronomers use to speculate on what are the chances that, that, that there's a civilization out there somewhere at least as advanced or more advanced than ours. Um, is that like, it seems like there's a kind of circularity in Bostrom's logic. In other words, In order, he has to arrive at some estimation of the chances that a civilization has evolved uh, to a point where it can do this stuff. And yet, the only way of, it seems to me, the only basis for thinking about the likelihood of that is to think about our universe and what the chances are in our universe. And yet, if you reach the conclusion that we are in a simulation, then it's not clear that our universe is relevant because we're not in the real universe, right? So, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. other words, so there's a, there's a problem with the logic unless he's assuming that anyone that, that these advanced civilizations would simulate a universe exactly like theirs.
1: Hmm. Okay, I think I think the logic might work. So here's my thought. Um, so if we do not live in a simulation, mm-hmm. then the world we're observing is the basement level world. And in that case, it does seem okay to sort of use observations of the world to come up with. Absolutely. Or let me, that seems okay, right? Yeah, cool. Uh, to come up with these probabilities. Um, now, the only other option is that we do live in a simulation, um, in which case it would not work to observe our universe to come up with those probabilities. Right. But in that case, we do live in a simulation, right? That assumes we do live in a simulation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in, other words, pretty- in other words, if his <laughs> argument is invalid, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> this is hard to wrap my mind around. Um, the, uh, uh, so I see what you're, you're, you're saying. There's two possibilities. One is that this is the real universe um, and his logic is valid. But if his, lo- but on the other hand, if this is the real universe, his conclusion is wrong. So the, the 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 logic, the probabilistic argument, may be in a sense valid, but it turns out that it it's it, it's it's probabilistic conclusion that there's a greater than fifty percent chance that we're living in a simulation is misleading because we're not.
1: Maybe I, I see your point. Maybe we can say it like this. I think there's a, given the the setup of the argument. Uh, we also think there's a good chance that the universe, uh, the, our simulated universe, would be like the the basement level universe. That's a part of this theory in this in the sense. Okay, of... Okay, that's a good loophole.
0: And in fact, right. I, I mean, you're saying if we assume that that what they would do with the power of simulation is to simulate their own universe, but right. And I real and that actually figures into your concern in a way. But we'll get back to that. But I don't I don't personally see that as a particularly valid it depends on whether you imagine that they're simulating this in order to understand their own the history of the universe, or they just wanted to create a cool video game. Which which if you look at what we do with our simulations, we create at least as many video games as as academically earnest, you know, computer models,
1: right? Uh yeah, that seems right. Well, I'm not sure. Actually, I mean, it's it's yeah. I'd be very interested to know the actual like total number of you know research versus entertainment simulations. I think that'd be a really interesting question.
0: Okay, so um, so anyway, with all that aside, uh, although I think I like to think I may have just blown his argument out of the water, but maybe not. Well, can
1: I say one more thing about (laughs) yeah? So it's it, it is making me think. So there is a when you use something like, there, uh, some claim like there could be some civilization out there that is running simulations and we just happen to be one of them. Um, I think there are certain things that crop up and maybe you've put your finger on one of them. Um, uh, that's why I think sometimes it can be simpler just to start from the case of like hum- humanity and human civilization. Yeah but and, it can't
0: but it can't actually be the case that we are the civilization civilization that created the simulation of us right
1: um so th- the idea would be is uh you know human human civilization in reality has like advanced very far right. and then they started to run these things called ancestor simulations right which is just simulation right. so we would resemble
0: we started. would resemble the civilization that 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 did the simulation you can't be that okay but i take your point that you're saying we are a good model we could be a good model for the civilization model yeah that's what we're talking
1: about right it's a model so that and then and then and then you get that dependency set up in a little more clean way where you know you either think that like human that on you know on the basement level like we're on the basement level and we're just gonna kill ourselves or we're, we're on the basement level and we're just not going to be interested in running these kind of simulations in the future, right? Or it's very probable that we live in a simulation. And I think stated that way, it starts to seem a little more like, oh, okay, yeah, I have to commit myself to one of these things here.
0: Yeah, I, and I think, you know, you could certainly argue, just looking around at the world, that there's actually any, any civilization – that gets sufficiently uh, sophisticated technologically is actually likely to blow itself up or at least to keep setting itself back so far that it never gets to this point. I mean, right now, honestly, we show all signs of not reaching uh, a, you a know, global community kind of level where we can just quit doing the stupid fighting and get on with business, right? That, that right now we don't, that doesn't seem like where we're heading to me.
1: Right. Yeah, and that would be uh, would be a a sad truth. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's not true. But you know it, that that is one of the reasons why uh, Bostrom isn't doesn't say yes. We're definitely in a simulation. Mm-hmm. That's part part of the reason. Maybe there is some sort of doomsday event that is nearly unavoidable that uh, is in our future before we get to that point.
0: Okay. Now let's get to this idea that uh, some people have proposed that there is a way to test whether we're in a simulation or at least a path to follow in trying to find out.
1: Yeah. So some physicists, um, have started to suggest experiments to test whether our world, uh, is a computer simulation and they take inspiration from this sort of, uh, philosophical reflection that that we've been doing. And, um, uh, and it's starting about, I'd say starting about 10 years ago, um, uh, some papers have been published uh, suggest- suggesting ways we could test whether the, the universe is a computer simulation. None of these experiments have been done yet. They're just at this point are kind of uh, proposals uh, out there that have gotten a lot of tension from, uh, from the media and, uh, and different places okay
0: and so what's like what's the lot what's the basic logic of uh how do we figure it out
1: so the 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 first paper on this is um, uh, published by physicists who have a lot of experience in uh doing their own simulations or trying to do simulations of uh, uh physical processes and one of the things they noted is that Uh, there are certain like glitches or certain things that are very, very hard to simulate. Um, And one of those is the movements of high energy particles, specifically these things called cosmic rays, which are these high, super high energy particles that come to us um, from outside the solar system. So I think the details the methodology is very complicated, but the basic idea is um, uh, they suggested if we could, uh, you know, have a, a device that is able to sort of isolate an incoming cosmic ray and measure certain things about it and how it's moving, then if we were able to see some of those same glitches that Mm -hmm. seem to be characteristic of simulations, um, then in that case, that would give us some pretty compelling evidence that we ourselves uh, are in a simulation. But if we, if we were to see like none of that, then uh, okay, that we would rule out the possibility that this is, uh, a simulation that is like having trouble with cosmic rays.
0: Okay. Now I mean it seems like there's a kind of a logical problem with that, but maybe I'm wrong. So so like the way we know that our simulations of cosmic rays have what we call glitches is by comparing them with actual cosmic rays in the universe we think of as being the real universe. So it seems that by analogy, the only way to find out whether the cosmic rays in what we think of as the universe have, quote, glitches in them would be to compare them with cosmic rays in base level reality in the real universe. But of course, we don't have access to those cosmic rays if our universe is a simulation. So how would we know a glitch if we saw one?
1: I think the basic idea is that there are it's not that we observe these things in, in our universe. Like, we're, we're, you know, that's why these are theoretical sort of experiments right now. It's more that these are sort of consequences that uh, are in, in, implied by our understanding of everything else, like the laws of nature and things like that. Um, and so, you know, they, they make these predictions on the basis of looking at, what we, how we should expect cosmic, cosmic rays to move given everything else we know. Mm-hmm. How we would expect them to move given what we know about simulations and how they work. Um, and how they differ slightly from, uh, you know, what a real world would be like. And then on the basis of those, that kind of reasoning, uh, make, they'll make a, a prediction about what you would see if we were in a simulation or if you were, if you were not in a simulation. Um, okay. Yeah, that's so. That's that, that. That's the basic idea. We are making some mm-hmm. assumptions, of course, about what the simulation would be like. Right? It seems like that is absolutely required to do any to to, to say anything. Because without that, right, you know, one sort of observation compared to another is not going to to give you any evidence for the world being simulated or unsimulated, Right? You sort of have to be making some assumptions about what simulations are like. Um, and what these physicists are doing is they're assuming that the simulation we live in would just be a very, very sophisticated version of the kind of thing that they're starting to do, right. Mm -hmm. With our early sort of, uh, uh, simulations. And given that, that Mm -hmm. gives them some, um, ability to make predictions about what we would see in these like super advanced simulations.
0: Right. But I guess I guess the kind of thing I have in mind is is for I mean I, I don't I don't know what I'm talking about, but it could be that the glitches we see in simulations of cosmic rays have to do with, for example, the idea that the simulations are inherently digital, whereas cosmic rays themselves, we you know, it could be that ultimate physical reality is analog. Uh, and that could be the source of the glitch. But if we don't know whether the base level reality is digital or analog, for example, then we—how would you know a glitch? That's the kind of thing I have in mind. But in any event, have you seen the movie uh, *Waking Life*?
1: Yeah, yes, I have. It's Uh, kind of
0: a—I mean, in that case, it's—in that case, the question isn't—are they in a simulation? As I recall, it's—are we in? Is this a lucid dream? Is this a dream, right? Uh, Right. And they have these ways of find—they have these things they look for that are kind of like. The glitches—I forget what they are. There's like telltale signs that you're in a dream <laughs> that I think uh, are, are actually used by lucid dreamers to figure it out. Anyway, I digress. Are there any other? Is this the main exemplar of the of the way you would uh, explore the hypothesis that you're in a simulation, or are there wholly different, qualitatively different kinds of scenarios? Yeah, I think
1: so. This is this is definitely the most prominent one, like today. But you know, this this has been only been happening for about ten years, right? So um, the main the main way that this is happening is we take um, you know our own simulations, we imagine them being a lot better than they are now. And then we see if like those sort of telltale signs that, that we would expect from really, really good simulations are present in our universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the basic setup uh, focusing on cosmic rays uh, that, that, that we see. But just last year, I think people have started to give us slightly different takes on how we might figure out whether we live in a, in a simulation that doesn't require all the machinery that, that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's clearly, it's a, it's a, it's a project that's in its infancy. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, it's not, There's no really telling like exactly if it does develop, it's continue to develop, to develop like how, how, how it's going to develop, you know, is there going to be like an Einstein for simulation theorizing that just changes the whole way we view look at this and comes up with like a whole new paradigm mm-hmm. for determining whether the world is a simulation or not. I think all that's very, very hard to predict at this point because it is a very new field. I yeah.
0: guess we could just ask, right? Like, say, hey, <laughs> you know, enough. This has been fun, but could you, could you come down and tell us? You know, we could offer them We could offer them money, cars. You know, we could offer them a nice car. They would tell us the truth.
1: We could make a ton of cars for them. Yeah.
0: Elon Musk. Elon Musk wants to know. Um, so uh, now I think the stage is set for you to tell us why, however curious we may be. It would be a possibly fatal mistake.
1: Yeah, so I, I started to worry about this issue um, when I was actually first very excited about all this, all this new news about scientists possibly having the chance to prove that we live in a computer simulation. And one thing I noticed that no one was talking about um, was the possibility that our simulation could be shut down. And that's a really interesting possibility because it is one that Bostrom mentions uh, in another paper around the time as like one of the ways that humanity, all humanity can end. One of the big mm-hmm. existential risks uh to humanity. Right. Um, so there's like lots of reasons to think, you know, lots of reasons why our simulation could be shut down. You know, the simulation could just end uh or it could, um, it could be programmed to end or it could be some sort of error or something like that. Um, but if you work within the simulation, uh, the ancestor simulation hypothesis, that's one of the more prominent possibilities when it comes to the simulation hypothesis, that advanced human beings uh, are very interested in the history of, of, of civilization. Um, you know, they want to collect data, just like we do with our simulations today, right? They want to collect data on you know how things would have changed given certain different starting conditions or certain events happening you know what if this person won the pres- presidency instead of this person or hmm. this country had won we're all, we're all
0: interested in that question right now but go ahead. <laughs> right
1: it seems like yeah as human beings right now we're extremely interested in questions like that um also like if, if this country had won this war um so it seems like you know that's that's one very prominent way that people would been wanting to do simulations. But the problem is, is that if you have a simulation like that, you're studying, you know, what would have happened had, had these things been different. And then in the simulation, scientists use experiments to prove that, you know, all these, all the people are in a simulation, and that has a huge effect on like what happens, right? So instead of, Sort of the normal behavior of society, you see, you know, these mass religions spring up around simulation theory, and people just, you know, behaving in a very different way uh, than they would. Then it seems like the the data that you can get from the simulation is very unreliable. It no longer tells you, oh, what would have happened had this person won the presidency. It tells you what would have happened had this person won the presidency, and then this really weird thing happened where everyone figured out that they were in a simulation. Um, and then you get those results. So, so mm-hmm. it seems like a, a positive result, an experiment proving that we live in a computer simulation, um, has this risk of corrupting the, corrupting the data, mm-hmm. making it no, no longer reliable for, uh, for research purposes in, in our simulation. So that's the basic, the first part of, mm-hmm. of my concern.
0: So so we are no longer good laboratory rats once we know we're in an experiment. And so they pull the plug and, and, and devote their resources elsewhere.
1: Yeah. So if you think about how simulations are used today, you see people running, you know, millions and billions of simulations concurrently. Whenever a simulation is not useful or a type, a type of simulation is no longer useful, Uh, It's just terminated. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways it could work in the future. But if you just extrapolate from that, it seems like, uh, you know, our simulation becoming such that it's no longer a very good guide to the research question that it might be uh, targeting um, would would imply some sort of termination risk.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, again, that does assume a certain motivation on the part of the simulators. It assumes we're not video game, you know. It assumes uh, we're not something they bet on, Um, right? Right. I mean, it could be that we're this video game and they place their bets like who's going to figure out that we're in a simulation or just are they going to figure it It could even be that like, you know, we want we want super smart simulated beings. So the ones that don't figure out that they're in a simulation, we pull the plug on them. We want to see and then replicate the smarter civilization that did figure it out and let them go. Right. Could be.
1: Right. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard those responses quite a bit, actually since publishing the article. And, and I think those are fine responses and I'm glad that we're, we're talking about it. I think to, to evaluate it, right. We need some sort of way to think about, you know, the probability we live in a research simulation versus an entertainment simulation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then also some way to get some grasp on, you know, how probable it is that the simulators would really you know, want to see what happens when people figure out that they're in a simulation, right? Rather than running the sort of research experiments that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very hard to do, but I can say a few things. So when it comes to the research versus entertainment question, um, I definitely don't think that we can like rule out that we live in an entertainment simulation, but I also don't think that we should just focus on that and think that that's more likely than a research simulation. There are some features of, um, research and entertainment simulations that seem to, seem to bear on it here. So when people do research simulations, right, if you wanted to answer a question like, what would have happened if, you know, the Germans had won World War II? Well, you can't just run like one simulation, right? You have to run like billions to trillions of them because you don't know exactly what the initial conditions were, right? Mm-hmm. Like before, bef- before the event. And then, so you run your like billions of simulations and you, and you look for trends. And that's similar to how we use simulations today, right? For, for, for research purposes. So there's a huge demand for, for, duplication when it comes to when it comes to research purposes entertainment simulations are very fun um they don't seem to have that same sort of aspect to them so like if you want to like just experience a simulation of something for entertainment then you probably just need to do like one simulation so if someone wants to experience uh okay what if donald trump was president i want to go see what that was like then you probably wouldn't need to run billions to trillions of simulations, right? And look for, and look for trends. You just need like one or two of these simulations. Well, no, but here's a
0: question. Like, uh, if there is a given, um, video game, like Call of Duty, isn't each, I mean, I mean, then there's, there's millions of versions of Call of Duty and they're playing out in different ways. And now, of course, this is imperfect, uh, because it's not a it's not kind of a closed simulation. It has interaction with beings that are at base level. Uh, But still, you take the point, I mean, the general point is, suppose you've got a video game. um, And uh, you sell it to a million people. Well, isn't that a million universes in effect, because different things will be happening in each one. And so those are distinct beings in each one right now. Granted, this would not be like any video games we're familiar with, but leaving that aside, I'm kind of asking you the metaphysical question. Like (laughs) would each of these be a different universe every time you clone a video game and then something slightly different happens in one copy relative to another. Isn't that a a whole universe?
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I think that's a good point. That is a reason to think that, you know, research simulations, wouldn't necessarily swamp the number of entertainment simulations for reasons that for those kind of reasons. But I think when you pull these together, we just get this situation where we don't really have any good reason to think that one type of simulation is more probable than the other. Um, And that is the kind of epistemic situation that I feel is, is justified given our current position. Um, So that means that, yeah, we could be an entertainment simulation. It is true that entertainment simulations seem like they're, less corrupted by things happening like scientists discovering that we live in them. Um, uh, but then you have this other possibility, which is we we live in a research simulation. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So then the other, the other question was, uh, what if it's like a simulation where we really just want to, we want to see what happens when the people discover that they're in a simulation. And I think that's, that's clearly, clearly possible. It does strike me as something that people would want to do at some point, um the not the only way to to think about this is to think about like which set is larger right there's the set of all the times that people are trying to perfect simulation technology and it's going wrong for the, for this sort of reason where people are noticing problems that simulated physicists are noticing problems that is you know creating problems with doing research on them uh and then they get terminated versus the set of times that uh, the simulators say, "Hey, let's let's see what happens when people learn um, that they live in a simulation." And I think it's a very hard question to answer. I think intuitively, I, I would think the first the first set is actually quite large. Mm-hmm. Um, the, another thing to think is that if we just extrapolate from like what we're currently doing, um, you know, all of our simulations, almost all of our simulations today, are trying to answer questions about our level of reality. They want to know what would happen if things were were different here. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the question, what would happen in this simulation if these people realized that they were in the simulation, is a simulation, que- is a question about counterfactuals in the simulation. Um, and we currently- uh, assuming, that,
0: assuming that in that civilization, they didn't figure it out at this stage in their history. They might have. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> right, right,
1: <laughs> right. I mean, there's, yeah, there is this this thing called the multi-level hypothesis or the idea that we're like, it's like simulations all the way down that um, Tur- turtles,
0: turtles all the way down. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, which I don't think is true, but I mean, maybe that's a little off topic, but um,
0: uh, I don't think it's turtles. So we can agree on that. Um,
1: <laughs> it's true.
0: The, the uh, uh, So wait, uh, but here's another question. Like if all they want to find out is like, what would have happened if Germany had won world war two or something Why did they do the whole 14 billion year simulation? I mean, two problems with that, you know, of the history of the universe, because that's what seems to have happened. If we're in a simulation, it's been going on 14 billion years in our units of time. So, A, why spend all the time on that rather than just creating the world uh, as it existed then? And B, I doubt they'd have the power. I mean, unless they were really good to like just do a version of the big bang that is guaranteed to get us to the point in human history we were at in 1940, right? I mean that that's like that's truly godlike power to 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 like be able to fine tune mm. the big bang so well that you wind up with a planet exactly like this and and so on, right? And and the and the state of the planet as of 1940, right?
1: Yeah, it seems like if that was your research question, uh, mm-hmm. this thing that happened in 1940 until now, you probably would not want to start the simulation at the Big Bang. There's just a lot of, like, that's very difficult to do and, you know, uh, for the reasons you just said. Mm-hmm. So it seems more likely that in that case, maybe the simulation would have started um, a little bit before uh, the event that they're, they're trying to target. Um, there's another way to look at this, too, on a more horizontal way. So, like, if you think about our observable universe, right? It's very large and it seems very empty, right? Um, and uh, it would be very expensive, possible, but very expensive to simulate like every atom on every sun and planet out there in the whole universe. If you're just trying to study one civilization, right, mm-hmm. on earth and what, and what it's up to. So if we live in uh, a simulation, it also seems reasonable to assume that, the the stuff outside of our solar system is not being simulated to such detail like there's some compression happening that seems the best way to
0: test the hypothesis right of course you have to you have to develop the ability to venture out very far but in theory it should be the case that as you get out real far it becomes clear that this is just a very low res simulation of a star rather than a star like our sun right
1: yeah, I mean, we currently haven't haven't really gone far at all. I think if you look at where our farthest uh, satellite is, it's it's uh, it's outside the solar system, but not by very much.
0: But, but even um, optics could, in principle, do it, right? You, you get a super high res view, yeah, yeah. Te- a super telephoto view of the distant reality, where you realize you can't get it above a certain re- level of resolution, and that's a warning sign.
1: Right. It seems like two things can happen. You can either sort of, you know, have the complexity be there as needed, or mm-hmm. you can put it at a place where, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Even the super high optic ones wouldn't have any problem, you know, looking at the, looking at the things, but it's still, that's still very different from simulating like every atom, right. On every planet yeah. uh, in the, in the universe.
0: Okay. So let me just ask you, is there anything else you want to say about your argument or the generic arguments or anything? I think we've, we've kind of covered much of it.
1: Yeah. So I think it's important to note that, uh, so we, I I gave a reason to think that there's some probability that a successful experiment showing we live in a computer simulation, uh, might cause like determination of, of our simulation. I think it's also important to note that I think that possibility in itself is really interesting, but it it gains power when you combine it with this other point, which is that a negative result when it comes to simulation experiments wouldn't prove anything to us. So if we try to do some experiments that look for these kind of telltale glitches, the things we think we would see if we live in a computer simulation and we don't find any, we thereby could never conclude that we don't live in a computer simulation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just not finding glitches, right, would never... Would would never be, be proof of that. It could be that our simulation is just, you know, too good for that uh, for that sort of thing. Um, but more fundamentally, like if we live in a simulation, then all our observations are part of the simulation programming. So just not observing something uh, in a certain way could never prove us that prove to us that this is not a simulation. Right. So there's this asymmetry, right, when it comes to experiments, right. The experience can't show us we don't live in a simulation that would be extremely exciting by the way right mm-hmm. if they do, if, they, if they do that um, they only can show us that we maybe probably do live in a simulation so given that asymmetry I think it's really important to think about the expected value right of those results right the, mm-hmm. that 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 discovery right and that probably require doing what we've been doing right like you know if we extrapolate from current trends in computing, it seems like termination is a risk. Maybe some people have this intuition that, you know, we would want, that our simulators would want to see what what happens. Is that a possibility? Some people have even said, oh, maybe there'd be some reward for, for doing That's this. That's what I'm
0: hoping for. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: right. Right. So I think it, it helps to sort of focus our attention a bit, right? To know, we just need to know in the case we find, mm-hmm. we find the evidence, right? And it's like, proves that we live in a computer simulation. What is the expected utility profile here? And is, right. is it positive for us? So,
0: I mean, it, it, the way you could explore the reward hypothesis is to see if a lot of good stuff has happened to Nick Bostrom since he uh, published that paper, right? Like, did he win the lottery? You know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. If we're going to be rewarded for figuring it out, they should at least give him something for,
1: right? Right. Yeah, yeah I see. So, it, like, the people who are sort of laying the groundwork for this thing that the simulators ultimately ultimately, yeah, we're want to
0: arguing have. that it's likely
1: right. They're are I, I, I actually think he hasn't won the lottery.
0: Good fortune, right? I think he hasn't won the lottery. I mean, I think I would have heard of that. There you go. Then then <laughs> then, then then we can rule out the reward scenario. So um, <laughs> let me ask you this. Do, do, so I see what you say. You're saying like either exploring uh trying to examine the hypothesis of simulation will either lead to not particularly illuminating results one way or the other, or will, will lead to illuminating results that could well be fatal in your view. Yes. Okay. I think I'll still go with illumination. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but um let me ask you this. uh So at, at, at a personal level, how seriously do you take the, Do you believe in your heart that we are probably in a simulation, as the Bostrom argument seems to indicate?
1: Yeah, well, just my own personal history. So I heard about this argument maybe eight or ten years ago, and my reaction was, well, the logic here makes sense. Um, I don't really see a hole in it but it just doesn't seem possible. Like, look how real everything is. Like it's so complicated. And
0: Yeah. But again, we know that's not, <laughs> we know that's misleading. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah. This is just my own personal okay. autobiography about this. Right. right. Um, and then also part of me knew that that is probably not a good, a good reason for disbelief. Um, but then I guess over time, not through any sort of reasoning process over, uh, I just stopped thinking about it. And over time, my, my brain just started to update slowly. And two years later, I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe, maybe there is a a better chance of this than, than I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when, when things finally completely turned for me, was maybe three or four years ago, I started to get in this place where Instead of thinking it, thinking of it in the old way, I, I thought to myself, "How are we not living in a computer simulation? I mean, if we're not living in a computer simulation, that means that like we're all going to die. But I don't think that's going to happen. And and if we're not living in a computer simulation, that means that people aren't interested in making these simulations in the future. But but then I just don't see any other way uh, for us to, to not be living in a simulation. Um, I mean, so I again, guess those I, are two
0: different. Those are two different. I mean, that we're we're all going to die, and that doesn't seem possible. That almost seems like wishful, like hopeful thinking on your (laughs) part. Like, I hope we're not going to die. But the the second thing you said uh, is more in the spirit of Bostrom's argument. It it just seems like we're going to keep advancing technologically. We'll acquire this ability. If that's the likely outcome of our kind of cultural evolution, then it's probably already happened, and most things are simulations.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, both are, both are Bostrom's argument. He says either, either there's going to be some doomsday thing in which, you know, they never get to the point where they can create simulations or people will not be interested in in making simulations. So, yeah, so I sort of felt the, I felt the, the, the the tension there eventually. Um, and, and I guess, I don't know, my considered view now is, you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's reasonable to split our, confidence between those three possibilities we live in a computer simulation we're going to die or where people would not be interested in making simulations um and then i guess i lower my confidence a little bit because something could be wrong with this argument so in the end i don't know i would say i'm around something like 20 percent you
0: earlier you mentioned uh a scenario in which like okay suppose we find out we're in a simulation and people start organizing religions around it of course they could also organize religions around the suspicion that we're in a a simulation or or just their their conviction whether uh, there is good evidence or not right Um, i mean is that do you think that's part of the appeal of the simulation hypothesis that it is it gives you I mean, you know, it gives you a lot of what religion gives you in a certain sense. I've always found it ironic that people who are like hardcore atheists and scoff at someone who's theistic in a traditional sense, you know, will, on the one hand, take very seriously the idea that we're in a simulation, which in a way is just a form of theism. Right. If you imagine that the simulator has the power to intervene, that is equivalent to religion. But 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 in, in a lot of ways. But do you think its similarity to religion is part of the appeal?
1: I have since I published the the op-ed in, in the Times, I, I have noticed a lot of comments from people saying, "Ah, this is religion," um, it, you know, all dressed up in science, you know, scientific, you know, modern mm-hmm. atheistic academia dressing or something like that. So that does give me the feeling that the sort of religious aspect is probably another component of the interest in uh, simulation theorizing. The question of how it differs from religion, I, I, I feel like I'm not I'm not qualified to answer that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't really have an opinion on... Because I need to think about, okay, what does it mean to be a theist, right? What does it mean to, like, have a religious point of view? Is it just that you think there was a creator or are there other things that go along with that? And do those things also... Applied to someone who believes that, you know, in the, in the simulation hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a hundred percent sure about uh, all of those moves.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's generally not.
1: I mean, with
0: theistic religions, there's also the idea that, uh, that the God is, is a source of moral orientation as well. So it is, it right. isn't just another hacker out there. It's a hacker that deserves. Um, you know, uh, deserves to have its value system respected, you might say. Um, I mean, I you know, I would say, uh, it is, to me, it is interesting. And I wrote about this, I guess, in my book, Non-Zero a little bit, how human history does seem to be a kind of a moral test. Like right now, as I said, we're at this point where it seems like there's a pretty good chance we'll, if not blow the whole thing up, Really retard the process of human development without achieving the kind of global community that could lead to further progress and so on. Um, And it seems to me the outcome largely does depend on something like moral enlightenment. And I'm just saying this is the kind of like if I were building a video game, this is the kind of thing I would build in. I mean, I mean, it's like you know, uh, there there is uh, if it's a simulation, it does seem to uh, be a simulation that has a kind of a, a moral dimension in the direction of the history in it, if that makes sense.
1: Right. I mean, it also seems like the thing you'd want to focus on if you were, if you were a researcher as well, you know, how civilizations get stuck, how civilizations deal with, um, you know, deal with threats and, you know, when things go well, when when things go poorly. I think that's something that we're extremely interested in. And you might see a lot of uh, things that look just like this in that in in that kind of research program as well.
0: No, what you're saying that research program might
1: shed light on whether it's a simulation. No, uh, I, I meant that um, it's useful knowledge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and our and our our world, if it is a yeah. simulation, I could see fitting fitting very easily into a sort of research program on how societies. Uh, as work. How societies deal with problems. What causes societies to collapse? What doesn't cause societies to collapse? Mm-hmm. It seems like all those questions are just you know the, that's the dream for a lot of social science is to know is to know the answers to questions like that. And it seems and like simulations are I some see. of the best tools we have. And uh, so that that
0: is the kind of question that motivates simulations,
1: right? Yeah, I think that's that's a. I feel very. I feel more confident that that is something that is just the kind of thing people are going to be incredibly interested in. They currently are incredibly interested in, do, in answering questions like that. You know, people spend their entire careers trying to answer questions like, you know, what, what, what gets society stuck? How do societies fail and succeed? Yeah. Um, and these ancestor simulations like would be like the Holy Grail for, for that, for that kind of, for that kind of research. So that's something I can, I, I can see definitely. I can also see the entertainment possibility, right. As, yeah. as something that, could happen so like if we
0: are one of the ancestor simulations and the goal is to figure out like via what path do civilizations get over the hard parts and progress i wonder which hypothesis is being tested (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) i mean in other words in this scenario there would be multiple simulations right and in one simulation this happens like maybe this person gets elected. To some, anyway, I, I think it's pretty clear. I've been thinking about this um, as much as is healthy. You know, I mean, have you met people who have gone off the deep end? Um, I, you don't have to name names, I, 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 but but I mean, you must get letters from people, right? Having published in your time <laughs> speech, you must get emails from people that make you think, hmm, not sure hmm. I would take it in this direction.
1: Actually I I I can remember I, I yeah I got I got many emails um and I tried to respond to most of them um I would say only two though were of that variety and then the rest were just interested readers sending questions or or replies uh to what I had written
0: that variety being you you thought they were basically Bonkers,
1: yeah, or people are very, you know, very, very into the simulation hypothesis and some, like, non-standard views about what we should do in light of it or, you know.
0: Do you have an example of a non-standard view <laughs> about what we should do? What's the most radical suggestion?
1: Uh, well, I did get – nothing – actually, nothing too sensational. I mean, I did get an email – uh, talking about like, yeah, the foundation of like a, a, what sounded like a religion and a person was very interested in, and had been interested in doing this for years and glad to see that I'm like fighting the good fight. And, you know, so that was one of the emails that I got. Um, but yeah, like I said, but the, all the rest were just very, very normal emails. People asking questions about things. Encouragingly,
0: encouragingly
1: saying Okay. Actually, the the number one uh, objection that I did get, um, which might be interesting just to mention here, because I wasn't able to talk about it in the in the Times piece, um, uh, a lot of people questioned whether my article itself was dangerous, right? Good point. Uh, so rather than yeah, so rather than um, or
0: and I don't want to scare you. I don't want to scare you, but suppose the simulators, the people in base level reality decide that based on that article, they'd rather have a simulation without you in it. Mm -hmm. Think about (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm just saying you might, (laughs) you might be careful
1: careful where you go. Uh, Well, okay. So, so yeah, but, but, but I think ultimately I, I do have a, a good response to that. I think So, I think what's going on is that um, a lot of people read what I've written and assume that what I'm saying is that people believing that they live in a simulation is the the risk. But I actually do not think that that is true. I think there's nothing wrong with people believing that they live in a simulation. In fact, we could all come to believe it, um, and there would be there would be no risk. I think the risk is caused by scientists causing things to happen that could never happen on the basement level of reality. So that essentially is what an experiment is. We're trying to like create this situation in which we observe something happening that could never happen uh, on the basement level. That is what proves, right. That we live in uh, a computer simulation and then that observation is spread to others. And then, okay, then things happen that would never have happened, right. If we lived on the basement level of reality, Um, Philosophizing about the simulation hypothesis, right, doesn't require that, right? It doesn't require thinking any thoughts or, or saying or, or, or observing anything that you wouldn't see on the basement level uh, of reality. So, like, the basement level of reality probably had philosophers, too, and it probably was wondering, hey, you know, do we live in a computer simulation on the basis of, you know, these reflections and things like that. Um, so it doesn't seem like anything is being, there's any worry there for any corruption worry there, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing there is like, is like corrupting the data. So I, I think that's a very important point. I, and, and I, I wish I had more time to, to talk about it in the piece that I, that I did do, but like one consequence of this is that people can have their simulation religions, right? And that actually wouldn't, that wouldn't corrupt any, any data, right? Unless there's the religion started by, some experiment, like, revealing something that could never happen, right, if you live on the basement level. Um, Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. You're saying it's fine to speculate about uh, being in a simulation, even believe it, just don't prove it.
1: Right, just don't don't prove it using observations, right, that could never happen, right, on the basement level. I think that's the the basic basic point and in fact you know you can you can become very very confident i think on the basis of reflection like for example if we ever get to the point where we're about to turn on our own ancestor simulations that would be really strong evidence against this doomsday worry it would also be really strong evidence against the uh, idea that people are not interested in creating uh, ancestor simulations so we actually we actually might become very confident we live in an ancestor simulation one day just by observing that, um, but still we would not be corrupting anything right about the the data available uh, on our level of reality right because nothing has happened that wouldn't also happen on the basement level.
0: Okay. Final thought: uh, the if the key assumption in the bo- if a key assumption in the Bostrom argument is right, simulations, complex simulations, are conscious. That has ethical implications for our own, maybe even our own video game design or something. It has ethical implications for anybody now, or maybe in the future when we're doing more complex simulations. But maybe now, who shuts down a
1: simulation, right? Yeah, because they're yeah, still so unconscious beings. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a pretty good motivation for thinking that maybe people won't run. Like ancestor simulations like this, we might think that you know nowadays people have all these simulations they're running. They terminate them when they're no longer useful, but that's because they don't think that the people inside are conscious. Mm-hmm. And you might predict that when we get to the point where we realize that the people in our simulations are conscious, um, people may decide, oh, we just we can't run simul- simulations like this anymore. Um, this is immoral. So that's one possibility. Or, or, or if we run them, we can never terminate them, I I guess, could be another thing uh, that they decide to do. Um, so that's one possibility. I think it's, it's, it would be premature to be super confident. Um, in that, It you know, it gets into these really, really hard questions about like creating lives, right. Things like, you know, the non-identity problem and stuff like that, that as philosophers, we're just, you know, absolutely, flummoxed by and find very paradoxical. So I think it's hard to like say for sure that, you know, p- future people would find these kinds of, kind of things immoral, but that is one, I think pretty powerful counter um, to the idea that we do live in a, in a computer simulation. And um, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I only have a 20% probability to this rather than a 90% probability.
0: That's your number 20.
1: That's fine. I get a, a I'm going to say, Live in a computer simulation, 20% probable.
0: Okay. Well, if this is like, if I'm being strategic, I should either go with 19 or 21 if I want to wind up being the winner. I don't know which one, though.
1: It's
0: like the price is right. Uh,. So well, no,
1: that's closest without going over. Price is right. So it's a little different.
0: Okay. So it's not like it's a little like the price is right. It depends on what exact game show we're on. And we don't know. That's the whole point. And you think we could find out. Okay. Well, thank you, Preston Green. So we will uh, link, you know. Um, so the video disappears two places, YouTube and on the meaning of life.tv site. We, on the site, we will link to uh both your new york times piece and the academic paper that it's based on which is online and um and then if you're listening to the audio podcast which probabilistically speaking you probably are uh you should go to uh well just google it go- google preston green and what, what would be the keyword uh preston preston green.org go to preston green.org and that's where everything is and are you on twitter or anything
1: uh, no, I'm not on Twitter.
0: Not on Twitter. No other. No other uh, identifiers you want to give us. So, okay. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. This is fascinating. And uh, if you find out before I do, let me know. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. Uh, okay. Thank you.